Hey there, just a quick reminder, we have a mentorship program if you're looking for personalized coaching and mentorship to help guide you to the next level of your interior design business, whatever that might look like for you, whether it's processes and procedures or what services to offer to how to incorporate wellness, intention, or spirituality into your projects, come join us over at designcoven.com forward slash join. Or if you're just in search to connect with other like-minded interior designers, you can join our free community also located at designcoven.com forward slash joy. Hey there, we are on episode 88 of the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. And today I am talking with the founders of Maduke Collection. We've got Jess and Taylor. They have beautiful stories about how they found themselves in Morocco to create a very sustainable, beautiful Moroccan rug company that supports all of their rug makers, creatives, and artists um, connected with their collection. So I can't wait for you all to, to dive in and to meet Taylor and Jess. And this is also our debut of our Maduke Sacred Spaces series, which is going to happen every second Thursday of the month. We really dive into what they're doing we dive into holistic interior design in connection with Mother Earth, the artisans, and sustainability. So you'll want to tap in for each one of those episodes, of, like I said, the second Thursday of every month. And then I also wanted to make sure you all knew about the Design Connection, which is happening on March 16th from 1 to 3 p.m. in Laguna. It is a career fair meets speed dating event. So we are connecting valuable candidates that are looking for work and internships. So if you are somebody that has some sort of experience and looking into diving into the interior design field, whether that's school or actual experience in the design field, we are taking applications. And again, we are looking for interns, subcontractors, junior designers, senior designers, procurement, office managers, anyone and everyone that is looking to join the design field. And we've got interior designers that are hiring and they are also hiring interns, full-time, part-time employees and subcontractors. So if you are an interior designer looking to hire, please sign up for that as well. If you're in San Diego, we are doing a carpool up to Laguna. It's really not that far. Um, so it'll be a really fun road trip for all of you that are driving up. And you can find out more information at designconnection.eventbrite.com. And that link will be in the show notes. You're listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. This is a podcast that guides you as a new or inspiring independent interior designer navigating your entrepreneurial path. Here with my over 20 years experience, I will share my holistic approach to design with intention and ancient practices, including feng shui, all incorporating mind, body, and spirit into my design projects. You will also learn from seasoned interior designers as they give strategies and insight of how they built their businesses and continue to work in the field. Together, we will discover supportive trade partners, new ideas, creatives, and inspiring artists from around the world. I am your host, Rachel Lorraine Crawford.
Hello, welcome back to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. I'm super excited because I have the founders of Maduk on with us. We've got Taylor and Jessica. Welcome, guys. Hello. Thank you. Hi. Of course. I'm super, super stoked. It was just a really beautiful way, way of meeting, and we'll share that with everyone here that's listening. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and light this beautiful beeswax candle connecting with creativity, the element of fire, and connection all of us here. Now we've got our fire going. And then, of course, I'm going to pull a card. So I'm pulling a tarot card, and it's from the Meraki um, Tarot by Carrie Schneck. And this is the second edition. So I thought we would pull something here. Yeah. She's pretty rad. Alrighty, so let's see what we need to do today. Ooh, we have the sun. The sun. <laughs> it's super sunny where I am. I'm sure it's sunny where you are. We're all in California here in Southern California. Uh, this just reminded me of that beautiful Leo moon energy that we just had. So really just being in our light and shining and um, letting everyone see us and see what we're doing and what we're all about. Do you guys have any significance with the sun card or the sun in general? Or it's really beautiful. There's this flower, a dandelion, kind of oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and wishes are kind of. I'm like, God, what is that called? It's with you know the wish. It's kind of floating in the air. But yeah, I wanted to know if you had any. Yeah, if you had any um, significance with the sun at all. I actually, oh, sorry, Jess. I actually oh, that you brought up the the full moon in Leo because for me personally, that was a really, really powerful energy, especially over the last weekend. Um, and with significance to the business and just a lot of opportunities coming through and then, you know, a lot of uh, dramatic shifts kind of happening and just, yeah, it was a very, very intense moon. And after just kind of letting all the energy settle, um, yeah, it's very appropriate. And I, I just personally feel like I pull a lot of energy from the sun when, I mean, you always hear about people who live in places where there isn't as much sun and having light boxes. And I, we had, I don't, what was it like, maybe a week of rain here in San Diego. Yeah. And I was feeling it then just like calling for the sun, wanting it to come out and energize me. Mm -hmm. So I feel connected to it in that way. Especially Jess is very fiery with her Aries. Are you? <laughs> yeah. I can be. Oh, fiery. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I always ask, you know, what is what is home for you at the moment? So I'd love to know what is home. And Taylor or Jessica, you can decide who wants to go first. Sure, I'll go. Home for me is a place where I feel comfortable to be myself. Um, home physically for me now is in Encinitas, which is a community that I've grown to love so much. Um, and then also I would say my, my puppy um, and my partner. So having them in my home is, is always comforting. And um, for a while and take and kind of add on to this, we traveled and so home, we, we, I, I don't think we felt that for a while. We were in new communities and new places and, spaces where people didn't speak our language. And so for the past seven years, I want to say home felt like Tay. So since we met, we've traveled together and she's grounded me and 
and, and that has been home um, outside of what my physical home is here. And for me, um, you know, with just kind of piggybacking off what Jess said, uh, I live in Laguna right now and in my daily life, there's so many things that are just changing because I live in such a dramatic vortex. And so for me, home is like the constants that, you know, really keep it grounded. And that is, you know, this business that we've cultivated because that has been the only constant. And Jess is like, obviously a big, a big part of that business. So it's kind of a very similar outlook. Um, yeah, when you are exposed to so many new changes for so long, and like Jess said, we were constantly in new communities, we were constantly in new places. Um, home wasn't really like a physical place. It was more of just a knowing and like comfortability with uncertain and with the unknown. And so um, that's definitely taken a lot of practice and time to be able to get comfortable with. And now it's just something that I think we both like excel in because we both look at the uncertainty as like an opportunity for changes and for growth. You were both home for each other. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes, we are. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I wanted to share just a little bit of how, how we got connected. Um, I remember it was, I don't remember what, what, maybe a Monday or something, but I was going through email and your email came through just introducing yourselves and your brand. And I, I could tell there was something special just in the way of the tone of the email. And then when I clicked on the link to see the rugs, I was just blown away and totally mesmerized by everything that you were doing. And it was like an instant, I need to get a hold of you. I get emails a lot from, you know, different collections or vendors. And it's always like kind of the same kind of template, you know, that I've had somewhere they forget to put my name and it says, dear place name here. And then oh, wow. <laughs> all that stuff. And then they don't even have their name at the end. And I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. Or I've gotten others where they CC like a hundred designers. And it's like, yeah, right. It's actional. When we stumbled upon, or when I found you, I was like this. And I, I thought of Tay immediately. I was like, you two are absolutely going to connect. But also what you're doing is so aligned with our values and our mission. And I was very happy that you, amongst all the other people that, we yeah. reached out to were the one that responded. So, Did anyone else respond to your emails? Oh yeah, we've yeah. got li- yeah, a, a handful, but yeah, I mean they're just um, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I just really appreciate that, and just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to actually see what I was doing and seeing the connection and, and making that out that that reach out because it was it was of really course. important. I think for both of us, one of like the biggest and most exciting parts about like meeting you, Rachel, and connecting with you was reading your story. And I know we talked about this in person, but just the mirroring that was going on and the overlap and just the alignment of, wow, like this isn't just, you know, a designer. This isn't just an outsourcing connection. This is someone that really, um, truly can identify with a lot of experiences and the reason behind why we do mm-hmm. what we do and so i think for us that was really 
a driving force behind wanting to connect with you. And we're just so grateful to be able to actually be here and be doing all these things and talking about all these amazing things. Yeah, for sure. So tell me, I, I want to know, I know Taylor, you and I spoke a bit about your story, but um, no one else has. So let's kind of dive in and, and connect with how did you two, <laughs> how did you two connect uh, first wow. and then diving into how you got into this crazy world of design and the rugs. Totally. So Tay and I met in 2016. We were actually studying abroad. Um, we went to separate universities, but the program that we were in was in Florence. We both signed up for the same program. Met, I think, the first day, probably. And um, from there, we were attached at the hip, did everything together through our whole program, traveled everywhere together. Half the time I was sleeping over with her and our, and our other best friend in their apartment. Um, and then from there, Tay came out. This is towards the end of our college experience, but Tay came out and everyone thought that she went to our school at that point because she visited every single weekend. Yeah, <laughs> people were quite confused. But it was amazing. And then after that, we both kind of weren't sure what the next step was. And so we chose to go to Thailand. And to be able to do so, we chose to teach and enrolled in a program and moved out there together and lived in Bangkok, taught English to seniors in high school who didn't speak any English and we spoke very limited Thai. So it was a, it was, it was a, a learning experience for sure and very rewarding, I would say, now that we can look back on it. Um, from there, we moved down to Phuket and we were working at a wellness retreat center there. Um, and that's where we met our boss that actually ended up moving us out to Morocco, where Maduk was started. Wow. And um, so we spent a year working remotely, building a business, um, someone else's business, but it was a travel and wellness uh, company. And so okay. we then moved out to Morocco to facilitate wellness retreats for women, which was really cool um, that experience we gained a lot of knowledge from building the business but then also we're able to connect with really really interesting artisans practitioners of all types through this company it was challenging i think yeah. our uh, our experience in in morocco is rooted in in overcoming a lot of obstacles mm. but from that we were able to create madu um, and I don't know if we didn't get to that low place if if yeah. we would have flourished the way that we did. So all positives there. And that's yeah, that's how we that's how we met. Um, Tay, do you want to add anything on to our experience <laughs> in, in Morocco? I mean, there's a reason why Jess spearheads it all because I get so <laughs> caught up in details. And so I think that uh, yeah. was like a really eloquent, you know, overview of our experience. Um, you know, just to basically touch on everything Jess said. Yeah, it was a whirlwind of an experience of, you know, being and Jess and I had a little bit different um, personal experiences mm -hmm. as far as, you know, where we were at with our families. My family did not support the decision to uh, go straight to Thailand. And so I was yeah, actually okay. at time estranged from my family. And so that really made Jess like even more of my home uh, yeah. because I didn't have that support and you know um 
going and then building and really having like a driving force of something we believed in was just such a blessing for us at the time. And we were so grateful for the experience. I mean, we were living the dream as far as traveling to all of these places and meeting with all of these really amazing people and um, integrating and immersing in all of these cultures and just getting such a different experience as opposed to we're both from Justice from Pasadena. I'm from Newport Beach in Orange County. Okay. So um, I think those lessons and I think those experiences is what really equipped us to be able to want to effectively, you know, help and impact certain communities because we had gotten so much from these people um, in our own personal lives. And so, yeah, just it was a very rewarding experience. Um, like Jess said, it was very challenging because when we were in Morocco, the job that we had, it was we worked really hard and, you know, we put in a lot of work and a lot of time. And there were some moments where we were underappreciated and overworked. And I think it definitely fueled our fire for wanting to mm. start our own business um, and doing it the way that we initially set out to help this other business. And so, you know, everything works out for a reason. And I really do think that those experiences just uh, shaped the people that we are today. You know, we're both 27 years old and we've had the business for four years and it's wow. just constantly growing and shifting and having new experiences and people coming in. And so, yeah, we're very grateful. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that you guys went to another country to begin with and then to jump to Thailand and then to get on board to go to Morocco. Have you guys always been this adventurous and has it always been part of like who you are? I would imagine people are listening and being like, whoa, I, I, I don't know that I have that um, yeah. fearlessness about me. Like, where does that come from? Well, when we met, actually, it was kind of interesting. When we met in Italy within probably a week or two, Jess had brought up Thailand because Jess had been to Cambodia with her family and I had never been to Asia. And it was just a casual conversation of, oh yeah, you know, like, I really want to go to Thailand. And I was like, yeah, me too. And we just kind of, you know how people are always like, oh, we should move there after. Yeah. That was an it's conversation. And then when all this time came later, it was more of a matter of, okay, well, we're still going to do that because, and my favorite question, and it used to really um, shake me when people would say this, especially when we were in Thailand, is we would meet people or we would come back to the States. And, you know, a lot of our friends that we're in college with, they'd be like, oh, well, I always wanted to travel too, but I had to get a real job. Or I always wanted to do that, but I had to get a real job. And for Jess and I, it was like, well, we had the same opportunities that everyone else did. And I always say that there's two different types of people. Um, there's people that talk about getting on the plane and then there's people that just get on the plane. And it was really scary. You know, we had to put a lot on the line as far as just doing this. You know, we, we didn't have any guarantee. We didn't have any kind of outcome or knowing on what was on the other side but for us uh, I think I can speak on behalf of both of us when when it was weighing the cost it was the possibility of the regret of what if we don't do this yeah. and then looking back on these years later if we should have done that that was way more scary to both of us than just diving into the uncertainty wow and um, yeah your perspective on your future self and looking back, I think is super wise. And a lot of times, you know, just you saying that was more scary, I think will also kind of put things in that perspective. And I love that you guys just went for it at such a young age and to like really follow that passion that you have. Cause I, 
I talked to so many people where, yeah, like they were ambitious or whatever, but they felt like they put all these other things in the way or other people in the way before connecting with themselves or they put themselves on the back burner. And you guys are just um, an example of what you can do when you, you know, put yourself first and you honor that, you know, that's huge. And I, and I feel like that wisdom comes from people decades older than you because I'll get people that even want to that are looking at coming into interior design and it's like I've always had a passion for this I've always wanted to do this but I, I needed to support my partner I needed to be there for my kids which you know there's absolutely nothing wrong with any of that and that they're able to come back around and then put themselves first but after they've dedicated decades to to other people so anyway I just wanted to to share that and think that's really cool that you're able to capture <laughs> that essence and push forward into it because you don't see it very often. So, um, so you got pulled into Morocco, you were working for this other person, you were building this business. And I, this is where Taylor and I had spoken before, where I was also running someone else's business. And you get to a point where it's like, I could do this for myself. Like it, it almost builds that confidence. It gives you the evidence that you otherwise would have never had for yourself until you do it for someone else at times. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute, we could do this for us. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And we were, um, we were living in Essaouira, which is where we started Madoof, but we were so immersed in this community. It was there. I wish I could like somehow show you a video of it and how small it is, but it's like we would go and if we wanted chicken, we'd go and like pick out a chicken and they'd kill it and we take it home. Then there's like a fish market, there's the bread guy, there's the vegetable lady. Like you you knew everybody walking down the street. We like recognized people coming out of their windows at 9 a.m., which is when oh everyone gosh. wakes up in that town. And so we were in it. We started getting to know the people. And I think that drove us even more because we were kind of like, okay, we're seeing this working condition that we're in, we're feeling this. Mm-hmm. But we're seeing these artisans who are also, you know, they're not they're not making enough for what they're doing. The shop owners are are raising the prices exponentially and making quite a bit. And then these artisans who are putting their heart and soul into their work aren't aren't being paid fairly. And so we kind of could mirror ourselves there and see like we're working extremely hard and we're not benefiting from it. We want to help these people who are also experiencing that. And so I think that just drove us. And that's what truly inspired us to start Maduk was how can we take care of this community even even once we do leave Morocco um, and ensure that these people are living well and they're happy and um, they get to continue doing what they love to do. Yeah. So when did that light bulb kind of switch on of let's do rugs? There was a period of time, as Jess had said, we really, there was a giant mirroring going around about mm-hmm. our personal situation and our current job. And then seeing that in the people that were giving us so much and, you know, became our home as we yeah. talked about before, you know. And the way that the rugs came about was just this organic way of, we would be super emotional um, from just our current circumstance and we like basically sought refuge with these people and wow. the the whole practice and the entire culmination around how this culture produced goods you know with the loom or with the seeping of the dyes um 
it became cathartic for us. And that was really what drew us in. It wasn't so much just like, oh, here's a place in Morocco. They have amazing rugs. Let's sell these rugs. Yeah, it was yeah. a very backwards way of, well, we connected with these people and then we fell in love with the way that they were doing these things. And, you know, with the women, when they make rugs, they sing these songs and these chants and it's this entire experience and it just sucks you in. And so for us, it was that principle was kind of like, we need to share this. Like we need to, this is the way that things should be done, you know? And like I said, we're both from Southern California where unfortunately everything is, you know, mass manufactured and all these yeah. things. And so to be exposed to sustainability practices like that and also just the way of how they you know bring everything in and they're like come into my home and eat my food and just mm. share these things and there's no words being spoken as far as english it's all just energetic wow. movements um, that's kind of how that relationship started and then over four years of just cultivating those relationships and i go back to morocco once a year and so I actually travel to the mountains in the High Atlas Village where we have our women artisans. And now um, we're so proud to say that we work with 93 women and um, it's 93 women in a family. And so oh it's, gosh. you know, it's not just a bunch of workers that are coming in brought in. It's like there's aunts and there's great aunts and there's the grandma and there's just the younger generation that's being brought in. And it's just this whole entire immersive experience where you are just like wow I can't believe that this actually still exists you know this is something that you read about or something that you mm -hmm. idealize but to be there and they all sleep in the same house and they all sleep on the floor together and it's just this massive like family cultural wow. immersion and then they bring you in and so you know even the way that they go the women go to from the rug process from start to finish of gathering the wool from the shepherds you know, the shepherds shear the wool right there in the mountain. And then the women take the wool and they will wash it in the river. And like I said, they sing these songs and chants that have been passed out from generation to generation. Um, they go out and they gather all of these certain plants and herbs from around Morocco. And then they will seep that for a couple of days. And they're, they're like alchemists. Their appreciation, their understanding of how to make a certain color, how to make a certain hue depending on the sun you know it's funny that we pulled the sun card today because it's such a principal effect in our work as far as just learning how to work with the elements and how to you know be in tune with nature to be able to consume these products and and we also we always talk about conscious consumerism mm -hmm. meaning we are aware of what it is that we're consuming you know because obviously we have to consume things we have to live but in order to do that on a balancing way of not taking away from the earth or not causing further harm. And, you know, learning how to be in that rhythm with it is just, it's something that is like, it's just amazing. Wow. I mean, you just kind of paint this picture of what it's like <laughs> <laughs> to be there sure. and as they're creating this masterpiece. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's truly, I. I wish, you know, and especially it's a conversation that we have a lot. And when Jess and I were organizing uh, wellness retreats out in Morocco, one of the largest struggles that we had was shifting the stigma of what Morocco is, especially mm -hmm. to Americans. As for Africa, you know, a lot of people are still 
in the mindset, oh, it's this dangerous place or, oh, it's not safe, you know, or it's this and that. And it couldn't be further from the truth as far as, you know, the way that they live and the mindset, you know, these people don't really have much, but they are so grateful for, and they're so happy, you know, and they just live simply. And I think the underlying message of Maduke, you know, I don't know if we've, we've already touched on this, but the meaning of Maduke and the reason why Jess and I named the business this is kind of a reflection on our own personal story, but it, Maduke is an Arabic term and it's for an individual that has been, you know, toughened by life experiences and really is qualified that they set anything their mind to. Um, just this, you know, theme of adversity and overcoming all these obstacles. And that is just the energy that comes across in these people because it is a struggle for them every day to be able to survive. And they make and they work so hard at all of these things that they create and they do it in the way that we should be doing it. We should be consuming and we're yeah. not. And for a lot of consumers, they're not aware of it. It's a, it's around the education. You know, what are you buying and where does it come from and who made it and what's in it? You know, these little things that we don't think about. And so, yeah, it's just all this beautiful experience. I get emotional talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. I mean, it's really is connected with like the very fibers of your being for sure. I wanted to ask you a bit about how you, you do work with the trade and your relationship with the public and how people can connect with these rugs. Um, if you can share a little bit about that piece of the, the business. Yeah, so we're, um, we're in constant communication with our manager over in Morocco. His name's Abdila. And um, so anytime an order comes in, we're for the most part doing made to order other than for rugs, but the smaller items, we do bulk shipments in. So we we communicate directly with him. He's, he's family with the 93 women, um, which is so beautiful that it's that connected. And then we have a few, I mean, we have a website where folks can go on, they can see our story, they can read about the rugs. It's amazing because we can connect people directly with the women that worked on their specific item who weave their their rug. Um, so hands were on it directly. Yeah, it's it's incredible. And truly, I hope can be a blueprint for other businesses. Yeah. Because um, I think that we can function in this way. I think that people can buy what they want and buy luxury, but still be supporting communities and taking care of people and ensuring that our, our planet is healthy and, and being protected. We also, we're at a market, um, so people can always come and say hi to us there. We're at the La Jolla Open Air Market on Sundays. That's a space where people can come and actually touch the different Beautiful. textures. Um, we have samples, but people can hear. We have wet wool, which Tay can probably explain more about, um, and then wool silk blends so it's it's fun that people can come and actually feel and they can mm. see the pot different pile heights that we're able to do and the different designs um, and connect with us personally where we love sharing yep. information we love sharing our story um sometimes maybe love talking too much but <laughs> uh, but it's awesome that you can feel the energy when people come into our tent and once we share the fact that we're working with 93 women in the Atlas Mountains, usually people's jaws are 
are yeah. dropping to the ground. Yeah, and so you work with both the trade and you can sell directly to the public, it sounds like. And how long, you're talking about things being made to order, what is the lead time for, for something? So because we have, you know, such a large bandwidth of all these women artisans, um, depending on, you know, for custom orders, if it's a really large piece, let's say if it's like a 12 by 15, then we'll put, you know, multiple women on it. Um, we'll put like six or seven artisans on it just to be able to expedite that process. Mm -hmm. And so um, we are really proud to be able to say that from made to order to delivery, um, you know, our lead time is really good within, you know, three to four weeks and our shipping is also really good. Um, you know, it's usually within four days to 10 days, depending on it's where crazy. you're at. Yeah. So it's been, we're really blessed and it's just been kind of this fine tuning process over the years, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys just talked about that turnaround time. I know when I order like a custom rug from some you know, another company that might be bigger. It's like that lead time, four months to six months at mm -hmm. least. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's just all the logistics of getting everybody in order and then the onslaught of how much business they're doing. And it seems like with you guys, it's very sort of streamlined. Your hands are, are in it. So, you know, you can kind of get things done faster, which is kind of the beauty of working with a boutique small company versus like these giant, you know, other companies that, that there's just so many hoops and things that you have to kind of jump through to get things done. So that's really beautiful that the, the lead time is so short for a yeah. custom piece. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, um, we have been able to, you know, example, we did a collection with uh, these designers, Melon. And in that collection, we actually utilized um, an old weaving style that has not been you know practiced since the 70s and so oh we actually gosh. had to find one of the elder women um, in the nearby villages to come and re you know teach all of these wow. different methods and so you know it's it's nice for us because it makes the client have more of an immersive and integrating experience as far as just buying a rug because, you know, if you want a flat weave, if you want a knotted weave, if you want a high-low pile, um, there's certain women that we know that specialize in certain weaving styles. And Amazing. so it really is, you know, like curated and it just makes it more of a special experience. It's so rad. I just love it. <laughs> and, and, you, and you've got to see the rugs. They're stunning. And if you are in San Diego, definitely check out the La Jolla Open Air Market. Um, and then for those of you that are in Design Coven, we're actually having, at the time of this recording, we're having our product training. So we'll we'll learn more and, and it's so beautiful. When we were connecting, we were just talking about like where we were in the world and Jess is near me and also in Encinitas. And I was just like, what? Like, this is crazy that we're like, literally like probably 10 minutes away from each other. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah, very close. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, so amazing. Um, is there anything else that you want to share with, with everyone about Maduke or anything that we left out or that they should know about both of you or events that are coming up or things that you're working on? I would just say uh, keeping up to date with us on our website, Instagram, we're quite active. Instagram is Maduke, M-A-D-O-U-K underscore collection and then our website is www.maducecollection.com so what what's coming up what's new or what are you guys excited about are there any new collections or things that you're kind of 
in the works on. We have some new um, product development coming out, which is always very exciting because that's also one of, you know, the really, we have so much flexibility because we work with, you know, all of these amazing creative, you know, not only the women in the mountains, but we have a wood guy, his name is Hassan. He, uh, we met him in Marrakesh and he has been, you know, in the craft of woodwork for generations with his family. And then we have artisans that are working on ceramics. And so we are constantly trying to, you know, create new products to be able to come into. And also, you know, we've had some clients come to us with, oh, you know, I really want this from Morocco, but, you know, I don't know where to get it from. And I want to make sure that it's, you know, very unique and all these things. And so, Um, I would just say for, you know, all the people listening, we love, you know, custom work. We love, you know, being able to really take an idea and bring it into the physical realm, um, utilizing all of these practices that we know are sustainable and ethical. And so it's just, it's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Gosh, yeah, you guys are a wealth of information and what a beautiful resource. Um, especially when we have these clients that want these really unique things. And now we have you to, to lean on and to connect with and knowing that they are ethically sourced and sustainable is huge for, for us as designers, for sure. My last question is, what are you doing at the moment to stay grounded or stay centered and present? I personally find myself with my hands in the soil as much mm-hmm. as I possibly can. I'm connecting physically with the earth. I grow food, so that's very grounding to me. Getting to harvest something that yeah. I grow from seed um, to plate is pretty incredible. And I would say Tay and I both, and she can speak for herself, have our own yoga practices, meditation mm-hmm. practices. So I, I personally really try to practice yoga at least three to four times a week to stay grounded. And yeah. when I can get myself to, I like to journal. Um, <laughs> I, I want to say I, I like to do it more, but that is always it's a beautiful. great grounding tool for me. <laughs> <laughs> we called Jess Farmer Jess. She's got quite the green thumb. So, you know, her backyard is amazing. You know, for me, yoga, I do Bikram probably almost every day just to be able to have that 90 minutes in the room of just meditation and just wow. focusing on you know myself um, and when I'm not doing yoga surfing a lot being in the water having that cleansing and just you know refresh um, really really helps me um, meditating in the morning having a morning practice I use a lot of stones yeah just little things like that even sitting on my porch you know drinking tea and just yeah. being so grateful I think It's really important to, a lot of people ask me, you know, how do I overcome or how do we overcome, you know, this daily struggle of being an entrepreneur and having all these, you know, external stress because it is constantly, you know, ebb and flow fluctuation. And, you know, it's been four years and I think one of the main grounding practices is practicing gratitude and just being, recognizing where we've come from and how far we've come and just being so appreciative and grateful for everything that we have right now because it just calls in that much more to be coming in. So when you focus on, you know, what you have, it's just you're thinking, you know, you're thanking the universe yeah. and you're you're asking for more. Yeah. Gorgeous. I love it. Yeah, I can't wait to see how all of this kind of unfolds and grows and to grow with both of you. 
Um, and we are creating a podcast series that we are going to be airing once a month. So this is our first sort of uh, preview of what's to come. We've got many more things to talk about in the realm of energy and ceremony and the why behind our businesses and just the energy of things that we're bringing into our home. Um, and then of course, entrepreneurship, yeah, the struggles with <laughs> having your own business and, you know, pursuing forward. So yeah, so stay tuned for all of that because there's so much more to unveil here with that uh, and myself. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this beautiful wisdom and this inspiration and everything that you're doing. Thank, thank you, you so much, Rachel. This is amazing. Yeah. So happy to be here and looking forward to the series. Definitely. Very much. You've been listening to the Holistic Interior Design Business Podcast. If it's one that you have been enjoying, please share with anyone else that you think can benefit from this knowledge and leave us a five-star review that helps us get seen and found by other new and aspiring interior designers. And if you're looking for mentorship, I invite you to join our club here at the Design Coven. It's a bridge between school and real life interior design. We get in much deeper there. We have virtual and in-person events. So everyone is welcome. You don't need to have a design degree to be part of it. Just an interest in holistic interior design. I also want to thank our editor, Marcy Ferry, Blake Ferris, for all of her special help with the podcast, our social media posts, newsletter, and lastly, Kinseth Thibodeau, who is our music composer. Until next time, be well, and we will see each other soon.